Welcome back, y'all, to Humbled Highs, episode 12, Sex and Culture. Now, I know this one's going to be a little touchy because I'm talking about culture, but I'm talking from a place of experience here, and I want to share my life experience as far as sex, pornography, and marriage, and I want to give you some some pointers on what has really worked for me in these past 10 years of this struggle that I've gone through. And hopefully, I'm not going to offend you too much, but hey, the truth and the gospel of God offends people, especially in today's culture. You know, my, my target in starting this whole podcast was to reach an audience, not only just preaching to the choir of Christians, but to people who are non-Christians and, and people that I know that are living the way I used to live. So don't think I'm coming from a place like a pastor and I've only been married once and I've been with the same girl my whole life. No, that ain't me. I've, I've been with a lot of women and I've been down some really dark holes and I'm in a good place now. I'm not in a place of judgment. I'm in a place of trying to help you people. You know, I talk to students all the time. I talk to adults all the time. And in my experience, I've been able to help a whole lot of people with these values that I've put into practice on a daily basis. So that's all I'm trying to do. Don't think I'm trying to preach at you. Well, in a sense, I'm trying to help you grow. So that's what preaching is. I'm trying to inform you and open your eyes. Okay, so this theory that I've come up with, I call it the post-it note theory. And so when you take a a post-it note fresh off the pad, you write something down on it, you stick it on the refrigerator, chances are, unless a tornado comes through, that post-it note is going to stay on there forever. Let's say you write on there your first boyfriend's name or your first girlfriend's name, you put it up there, it's going to stick. And that's a big name. You probably write it in big, bold letters. I'm sure you can all remember the first person you've slept with. Remember their first and last name. Now, you take that post-it note off the refrigerator, and you write the second person you slept with. You put it back up there. It may not stay on that refrigerator forever now, because you done took it off. Now, you continue that process name after name after name after name and once you fill that post-it note you're writing on the back in my case and you've you've filled it up now all of a sudden that post-it note's got all kinds of junk on it it's got lint on it from where you've put it on other things and pretty much it won't even stick anymore will it that stickiness is that bond that god has put between two people it's supposed to be a sticky note with your name or, or with your the first person you've ever been with, which would be your wife or your husband. And on the other side is written the name of your partner, the husband or wife that you've taken. And you put those two sticky notes together, they'll never come apart. Never come apart. As long as that, that paper is like the flesh. And it's going to degrade over time, but they're going to stay stuck together. 
but you take two partners that have been with a boatload of people and try to stick them together, it's got all that lint. It's not going to stick together, is it? That was the case with me and my wife. Both of us, we were in that same boat. And we had very little to stick to each other when we got together in marriage. It was, it was very difficult in the beginning forming that bond, that stickiness to stay together. I'll tell you what my wife and I did. I've told you the story that she and I moved in together before we got married. But I didn't tell you this part. So we, we both had this conviction. Uh, we were going to church and we were feeling this, this pressure on the inside. That conviction is what's called the Holy Spirit. And he points out what you're, what you're doing wrong. That's not for another person to judge you, to tell you what you're doing wrong. They're, they're to lovingly correct you, but not to judge you. That's what Jesus is talking about. Take the splinter out of, try to take the splinter out of somebody else's eye while you got the log in yours. The Holy Spirit's job is to do that. And he convicted me. I'm sitting there and I'm actually looking at pornography while I'm with my, uh, with Amber. She catches me red handed. And this led me to this point where she almost left me. Um, I come back to her with saying, I've been feeling really convicted about this whole situation of us having sex before marriage. And I think we should move uh, out of the bedroom and I should, I should sleep in the other bedroom. And you know, it was weird. She said, I've been feeling that same way. And I think we should do that. So we made this commitment to move into separate bedrooms while we're living together and commit to not having sex until we get married. It worked really well, really well. I mean, honestly, we slipped up, uh, but we just had to create some more boundaries as far as she doesn't walk me into the bedroom and say goodnight to me. That's kind of, that's going a little too far. We, we committed to that. And I'm telling you guys, it sped up the wedding date. I'm telling you. And we, when we actually got married, we, we felt like we were pure again, um, in the eyes of God. And, you know, when we got home, uh, after the wedding, it, it almost to me felt like it was the first time, um, making that commitment to be obedient and, and follow God. It, it led to this blessing, um, uh, of him saying, okay, you're going to be obedient to me, be repentful for what you've done and go the opposite direction as far as sex before marriage. And he just opened up these floodgates. I like to say that large doors of opportunity, large doors of blessing are opened on small hinges of obedience. And some people need to get out that WD-40, get down on your knees and say, God, what am I doing against you? Grease those doors and it opens it up. Uh, I, it's worked in my life for, for many, many occasions. You know, every once in a while, you got to take a pause and ask, God, what do I got against you? And he'll tell you. Or, or somebody that you love will, will lovingly correct you. And that's when it's time to go to prayer. So now let me speak about pornography. Whew. That big P word. They don't like to talk about it in church. Uh, I've asked, uh, I've asked many pastors say, give me, give me a crack at it, man. I don't mind getting up there and, and saying these weird stuff. And it's just, you know, it's just too, too much for some people to handle, to, to, to speak about. 
but I'm I'm telling you, if if this is a woman listening, your husband more than likely is looking at pornography. And how do I know that? Because I talk to dudes. Um, it is rampant, not just among men. It's among women now. And it is, it is so rampant. It is so normalized now that you can just go on Facebook and you'll see pornography. Um, you want to do a test, grab your mate's phone and hit that, hit the, on Facebook when it says videos and just do a scroll or go to Instagram and look at their, look at the reels. You'll see what they're looking at. It's, it's scary. And that AI, the, the algorithms, the more you look at, the more it shows you. It's in our face. You can get to pornography in in less than five seconds on a smartphone. It's it's so easy of a trap to be in. And pornography has the same effect as cocaine. I don't know if you knew that, but it gives you that, that rush and that flood of dopamine. And it keeps you in this spiral of shame. And uh, I lived through it for so long um, that, you know, it was a, it was a huge struggle for me. Um, I came out of multiple sexual relationships, got into a committed relationship, and I'm still dragged into it. Even though my wife is beautiful, that doesn't that didn't change the fact that I had this addiction and pornography is an addiction just like cocaine and and. I'm telling you guys, you get caught in that. It's the same thing as adultery. It's the same thing. Jesus said, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you have already committed adultery. That's a hard fact to face. But if you are looking after a woman on that screen and lusting after her, it is just the same in God's eyes as you doing that physical act. And why do I say that? It sticks with you in your mind, in your thoughts, and in your actions. It bleeds over into the time that you're laying down with your with your with your wife or your woman, your partner. Uh, you know, even in a woman's case, looking at pornography when they're laying down with their man, their mind goes to that place where they have lusted after that other person, and it interferes with that bonding process of being with that person. It leads to, in men's case, I'm just going to say it, erectile dysfunction. You looking at all that pornography, just like it did to me, it leads to erectile dysfunction. Do you think there's any coincidence between the time that smartphones came out in 2007 and the rise of erectile dysfunction medications? That is 100% correlated. None of these guys need that medicine and if your man's on that medicine, you better check his phone. You better check it because you know he is substituting his addiction. He is, he is enabling his addiction by using erectile dysfunction medicine. I got so bad, I was going to the doctor and getting testosterone shots because my addiction was so bad that I wanted to continue my addiction. And the doctor measured my testosterone and said, yeah, it's low. Well, of course it's low. You keep shooting off your gun, you're never going to have any ammo in the gun. That's just how it works. Testosterone, you have a certain amount of it. And when you masturbate and you look at pornography all the time, 
you have no testosterone. Why do you think all these kids are fat and sitting around watching video games and masturbating? They got no energy because they're blasting their gun all the time. That is fact. Nobody wants to admit that this is a correlation, but it is 100%. Why do I know this? I've lived it. It's not just me. It's not, I'm not an anecdotal case. This is what happens. You, you look at pornography, you lust after a woman, you masturbate to it. You have nothing left to give your woman. That's it. It's, it's, it's nuts. So how do you, how do you break that addiction? You know, it first has to come with a decision because just like a drug addiction, nobody's going to uh, shame you into it. You know, you get caught or something like that. You, you're just going to find a different way to do it and, and supplement it or wait until your wife's on her period and then come up with some excuse. You have to make a decision. Who is more important? Is it, is it your wife? Is it your husband? Or is it your addiction? It's going to cost you to be alone and lonely. It's going to cost your sexual relationship being very unhealthy and your wife or your husband feeling alone, feeling ugly, uh, feeling second. And they know it. They know it. I'm telling you, I made a, a decision years ago that I would make a covenant with my eyes. That's a promise between me and God and my wife. And I have kept it. You know, when I make a decision, I stick to it. A decision, then a commitment. And it's not like it's easy, especially with, with social media. You know, you have to just keep hitting that button on social media saying, don't show me more of this. Or take a fast from social media. Whatever it is that's causing you to stumble, you have to take those measures yourself. Because of all my sexual experiences... Um, multiple partners, strip clubs, prostitution. I have to go to even more measures than most men or most women. I can't even watch commercials with women in lingerie. I can't do it. I can. I have that choice, but I know what it leads to. It leads to a lustful mind. I, I limit my social media use. If I start to see anything like that, you know, bam, I cut it out. I... When I see a woman walk, you know, that's attractive and I'm coming up on her. I don't take that second look, right? That second look hits the record button on my mind. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, a look is a look, but a gaze hits the record button in your mind. And then that time later on, when you're by yourself, that's when that it plays back that recording. Oh, remember that girl in the Lululemon yoga pants? You know, your brain just can't, you know, it's just, it's going to regurgitate that back into your memory. So w when I'm driving and then there's a beautiful woman walking down the road, I already know that she's way down there. I have a choice to make. Am I going to take that second look and that gaze? No. Why? Why would I do that? Look at your, look at your wife, look at your partner, look at your husband only. And when you're disciplined at doing that, that person becomes more and more and more attractive. Kind of like when you first got with them and you were like, dang, look at that. That is, she is hot or he is hot. You know what I mean? You can get that back just like your first, your first date. You can get it all back. If you discipline your eyes, you discipline your thoughts 
And as a Christian, if I'm talking to Christians, those thoughts, like I have those thoughts, because partners that I've had in the past, I don't have a choice. My brain will just regurgitate it. And it just, it wants to, it wants me to lust after those thoughts again. And I just take those thoughts to the cross and I say, Jesus, I, I ask you to take these thoughts away from me. Now, if you're not a Christian, you don't have that power. I would strongly suggest giving your life to Christ and you get this extra power to overcome those sins. It's really hard when you're not a Christian to, to overcome those thoughts. Thoughts lead to actions. Actions lead to consequences. Do you know, parents, that pornography is being shared in schools like cartoons used to be for us? Or it, I, because I talk to students. I talk to them all the time. They are seeing things that most people would never would never imagine seeing. And they're laughing about it. And they're sharing it in school. Things that vile, vile things. And it's shocking to me that these kids at... Because your 12-year-old has a, has a cell phone, has a smartphone, don't they? When you know in your heart, they probably shouldn't. They've got access to the internet and their their friends at school are sharing with them pornography right now. The average age of pornography starts at 12 right now for boys. It is nuts. So, I mean, what are the consequences of this? Um, you have a disillusionment of what sex really is, of what sexual gratification is. I obviously already talked about the fact that you, you're going to have erectile dysfunction. And if you actually get married, your, your ability to satisfy your partner just plummets. I mean, when you train yourself to pornography uh, as a man or even as a woman, you're not in there in the ring for 10, for 10 rounds to, to, to satisfy your partner. When you're satisfying yourself, you're doing it as fast as possible. And if you've ever heard of muscle memory... All it takes is your body just wants to do it as fast as possible to gratify yourself. And when your body gets used to that, then when you get with a real partner, a flesh and blood person, that's what your muscle memory is used to. And so the one minute man type scenario, that's, that's what you are, dudes. That's all you got. And if you cut all that out, you cut off the pornography, you cut off lusting after woman you get control of your thoughts you can get back to where you were when you were 18 years old promise you promise you you can satisfy the person you're with you get away from that pornography you stop looking at women in the yoga pants you stop looking at the commercials with kim kardashian laid on her side talking about her new bra line you just you know make that covenant with your eyes and ask god to help you control your thoughts and that can lead to this this renewing and and the the beauty of your wife and the attractiveness of your husband coming back to the forefront and it's a miraculous thing um i view my wife just like we we just started dating um and and it and and i get the i get the goosebumps uh just like i used to because i i i'm disciplined and I know the dangers of walking back into pornography. I see it on wife's faces and I can, I can see it plain as day 
from a man. So if you're around me and you know me and you're in it, I already know you're in it. it it's like looking at a drug addict, you know. Just hand me your phone and let me scroll. <laughs> I bet you won't. Bet you won't. When Amber and I went to this recent uh, worship concert, we went to Elevation Worship a few months ago in Nashville. This is the first concert we've been to after COVID. Every other worship concert we've been to. Now, these are Christians that are paying to get there, and they are excited. Every time we've been there, everybody's hands, both arms raised in the air, praising, worshiping God. And this concert experience was like nothing else. I felt something in, in my soul and in my spirit that was different. This is, like I said, after COVID, after this darkness uh, of people being um, locked up by themselves. And what happens in the darkness is people propagating this sin of pornography. And I just felt this heaviness in this room. And when I used to see nine out of ten people raising their hands in praise and worship, I, I only saw half the crowd doing it. And when my wife and I walked out of there, we looked at each other like, what is off? Like, I'm just feeling sick to my stomach. And I came to the conclusion that that the Christian church is becoming like the world. It's becoming like, it used to be like three out of 10 was a statistic for Christian men looking at pornography on a regular basis. Man, I think it's it's like worldly. I think I think we're up to like, 60, 70% of Christian men in the church, active in the church, are looking at pornography. And let me define looking at pornography, just like cocaine. You ain't no average cocaine user. They know, uh, oh, I just, I just do it on the weekends. Nah. If you are using pornography, then you are using pornography on a daily basis and even multiple times a day. That's just facts. It does the same thing like cocaine. There's no average cocaine users. There's cocaine addicts. Pornography is an addiction. It is a daily, multiple times a day. I got so bad at some points in time, I, you know, I, I'd be at work, you know, for no reason at all. I, anywhere I could go to get privacy, I would look at pornography. And if I wanted to satisfy myself, that's what I would do. And I'm not an anecdotal case. This is Everyone is doing it like this. And and I, I'm just trying to bring it into the light. So the consequences of premarital sex. This is sex outside of marriage. This is what I did for 36 years of my life. Well, from age 16 to 36. Um, there's consequences to it. I mean, we have free will. You can do what you want to do. But there, there's always consequences when you're outside of God's plan for sex is to be between two married people. Oh, that sound weird to you? I didn't write those rules. God wrote those rules. Unwanted pregnancies. Unwanted pregnancies, which lead to a lot of times abortion, you know, and or the, the morning after pill, which is still abortion in my case. If, if, if there is a life created, and I don't, need, I don't need a heartbeat to say there's a life created, that, that abortion pill that you took, that killed that baby. These are consequences of premarital sex. And then sex outside of the marriage, the woman gets pregnant, decides to keep the baby. 
now she's raising this kid on her own in a house that was is not created to be that way. So the child ends up off, you know, not with a father figure in the house. Why do you think there's such high crime? And, and it's because of these things, you know, and, and you need a two parents in the house to create a healthy home. And what are you doing if you're if you're with your girl? And living, living in this relationship, are you teaching your kids that you don't value their mother enough to marry them? I mean, are you, are you wanting them to get married one day? Well, why don't you start living it for them? Premarital sex also causes all these diseases. I mean, are, are you out there catching all kinds of stuff? I see these commercials that people can take some sort of medication so they won't get AIDS. I mean, are you crazy? Just... Marry somebody that don't have disease. Then you don't have to worry about it. And like going back to the post-it note, you have a loss of connection. The more partners that you have, the less connection you're going to have to the to the person your God has got set for you to marry. I'm, I may sound like I'm preaching, but like I said, I have lived this and I know the consequences. I, I want to save you from the consequences of it. I'm going to read you some Bible verses to wrap this up. Job 31.1, this is what I've lived by. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I look at a young woman? Oh, you can look, but you're going to pay the consequences for it. And that relationship that you value the most, you're going to devalue it because you're placing some other woman ahead of the woman that you're supposed to be with. Or you're lusting after the guy on the Calvin Klein model. And then you're thinking, oh, my man don't look like that. And you're fantasizing about him. That's not the way God designed it. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, 16, or, you, or do you not know that who you join with a prostitute becomes one body with her? And not just a prostitute, a woman who prostitutes herself or gives herself away sexually for, you know, for, for nothing. When you join with that person sexually, you become one person. You're actually, you know, connected and a part in the body. I don't have to tell you that. You become one. And when you leave that person, that person is stuck to you. Like two post-it notes that you pull apart on this microscopic level. Each of those post-it notes now contain the other post-it note. The DNA. You know, you, you have joined with that person. That's why all my past sexual partners are still part of me and I am part of them. And I wish it not so now. I really wish it not so. I wish that the only one I was ever with was the one I'm married to now. But I can't I can't take that back. Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians 6:18 through 20, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but sexual sin is against your own body. That means it stays with you for life. It's not going to go away. It stays with you. But thankfully, there's a God who through repentance can take that and can turn it into something good. He can he can take a man who's who's like me, who's lost count of his partners and can make a marriage that's beautiful and can be an example to other people. And I can talk about things like pornography in the light and say, let me help you, brother. 
Let me help you, sister, because I know the dangers of it. I know the destructiveness of it. I hope you guys don't think I'm coming down on you or judging you. If you do, you're sorely mistaken. I'm here to help you. I'm here to take you from the darkness into the light and and be healthy and be at peace and not be in your bathroom wondering, have I been in here too long? Does she notice that I've been gone? She notices and she's hurting and he's hurting because of your you're breaking you're breaking this up. Pornography is going to destroy your life. It's going to destroy your marriage. It's going to warp the view that you have of sex and of beauty. God created women and men not to be objectified, but to see glory. And I just hope I can help you guys. I love you guys. God loves you. Give me a shout out. Share this. Have a great day.